Uh, that particular representative, Sue Aller, had actually brought it forth in a couple of different years and it never even made it to committee, I don't believe, because um, like the flu vaccine and that whole like you have to wear a mask if you don't get the flu vaccine. I mean, it just was silly, punitive with no science basis. And so, um, and then the DTaP vaccine was one that also medical workers and others were kind of coerced to get. And so this is a, a bigger issue, although I think with this particular vaccine, it's hitting home much harder. Mm. So, uh, Dr. Parks, I guess let's start from the beginning. Um, you know, I, I, what my wife and I noticed, and my wife, in case people don't know, she's um, a scholar like me. We're all a bunch of nerds up here. And, and uh, her, her field is social work. She's a full professor of social work. Um, uh, I'm a PhD in finance, and uh, I went to Ohio State. And uh, so I, I can forgive Christina for graduating from Michigan. And uh, even though they, they, that's a cool school, too, a great school. And, um, and we, were, we, we were intrigued by your uh, testimony because I said, wow, here's a person that's really hard to refute. You, you, you know, it's, uh, you can't just sort of label and dismiss her, right? You know, we have these labels, oh, you're an anti-vaxxer, oh, you must be a Trump supporter, or whatever people want to say. Uh, you, you came in with a lot of backing, a lot of science. So let's start, from, start there. Um, what is it that qualifies you? to talk about these issues that, that everybody's sort of discussing, you know, in an armchair quarterback kind of way. Right. Well, um, the science of these, the COVID vaccines is extremely complex. And um, as a molecular biologist, that's the kind of thing I studied. In fact, when I was at University of Michigan, um, you know, Jeffrey Chamberlain was there. He worked on the dystrophin gene and he since went on to go and do a lot of gene therapy. So I remember him bringing in different conferences looking at gene therapy with the CFTR gene. So these exact same platforms, when I saw that, I was like, that's what we were doing. You know, the adenovirus vector um, and, and and the liposomal particles. So I started with the adenovirus vector. And so I was familiar with all of that, but not as a vaccination platform. And so I understand the molecular biology, what they're trying to do, what it can do, what it can't do, um, what some of the risks have been historically. And also, um, so I also have another one, and that is that um, as a mom, I actually got out of science and uh, decided to teach because I really really believe what we teach our young people is just so central. And then I homeschooled my son, and that gave me the time to sort of back up and take a more uh, global perspective. Sometimes when you're in science, you can't see the forest for the trees. You're just really focusing on one little problem. And... um, I had been concerned even in graduate school about vaccines when they added the uh, chicken pox. I was like, I didn't feel that the cost of chicken pox, it wasn't deadly, was enough to warrant monkeying around with your immune system because uh, my degree is actually in cytokine signaling and that's how your immune system signals. And so we kind of knew that we didn't know a lot, quite frankly, and that we weren't really all together sure what unintended consequences might come from these vaccines. And so, um, as I said in my, in my testimony, PhDs are some of the most vaccine-hesitant people because they know that these issues are complex. It's not a magic bullet. We've, in our culture, unfortunately, we've started to worship science and um, hope and pretend that it's a magic bullet, and it's not. There are almost always unintended consequences of things. And so, uh, I, you know, and then I saw the kids getting vaccinated more and more and more. Then they moved it to under two years. I said, wait, wait, I was taught that the immune system's not developed enough to even elicit a proper immune response. Why are we doing that? 
What I didn't know until much later was that in 1986, Congress voted to make, to indemnify the um, vaccine manufacturers. So after 1986, they were not liable for any vaccine that's on the childhood schedule. Perfect business model, mandate it for school, no liability. And so as soon as you get it on the schedule, um, you're good to go. And so you can imagine the pressure on our regulatory agencies to approve these because of all the money behind it and all the money that was getting made. The money that was made off of these um, catapulted the pharmaceutical industries into a powerhouse of lobbying and just money that they could, um, you know, you'll notice if you turn on the news, a lot of it's farm pharmaceutical advertisements. And so are they there to sell you the pharmaceuticals or are they there to control the content and make sure no bad press is released right. about the products? I don't know the answer, but I know I'm uncomfortable with that model. And so um, I didn't know all of that, but I was seeing things that didn't make sense from a scientific perspective more and more and more. And um, several years ago, I took a deep dive into the vaccines with um, actually PubMed is online. That's where all your scientific papers are kind of stored. It's a library that you can access. We used to have to pay for that in the lab, so I didn't realize I could have access to it. And so I was able to take a deep dive into the primary literature and um, really see, you know, each vaccine, what the positives and negatives. And what I found was deeply, deeply disturbing. Really interesting. Okay, um, everybody who just came in, I'm talking to Dr. Christina Parks, and you saw her um, uh, testimony this week, uh, which you can actually check out if you go to my Instagram, which is The Real Voice Watkins. Uh, you can actually see where I posted her testimony. And I know over 100,000 of you just on my platform alone watched the testimony, but millions of people saw it uh, worldwide. And uh, so hit the like button, share, subscribe button if you uh, haven't done it yet. And I want everybody to know, uh, and, I, and Dr. Parks, I'll, I'll mention this to you. Uh, this is the first time in a while that I've even had an interview where the word vaccines even allowed to be used. Um, we posted your testimony on, on one of our YouTube channels uh, and YouTube took it down. Story here really makes me upset. Down. And they said, this is medical misinformation. And I wrote back and I said, well, she has a doctor from the University of Michigan. And, and, I, and I, I said cell molecular biology, but you can please correct me. And I said she was testifying before the Michigan House of Representatives or whatever it was called. And I don't understand why this would be defined as medical misinformation, you know. And they put the video back up, right? So it's, a, it's it, Yeah, right, right. We got lucky, right? But, but, but it was one of those things where we, I knew when I put it up, I said, you know, this doesn't fit the existing narrative. And, and, and I'm going to tell you the truth. My goal in all this, and I'd love to get your help on this, my goal is to be as apolitical as possible. Like, I, I don't want it to be a Democrat-Republican thing. I just want to know what the right move is. And, and so I have friends on both sides. And I don't, I don't get mad at them because I believe it's a personal choice. But it seemed to me that when you did your testimony, I saw a lot of people cheering like, yeah, wow. Then I saw a lot of people saying, oh, no, this is crazy. What's going on here? How, how has that been for you? How has that felt for you this past week or so with your video kind of being all over the all over the earth? Honestly, um, I've almost gotten mostly 100% positive feedback. Just a couple of people asking questions, which I'm always happy to answer. That's the thing. I'm not going to shut you down and say, you know, if you're legitimately curious now, if you start attacking me or things like that, then I don't have time for it. But um, I have had in the past many naysayers. And I think... 
the core is the core belief that we want to trust our government, right? We want to trust that the CDC, that our medical professionals, even our doctors really have our best interest in mind. And I think many of those people do, but they've been misinformed as well. And they haven't had the time or the energy or the inclination to take a deep dive as I have. Or, you know, most people, uh, doctors are not really familiar with the science at that level, at that cellular, molecular. And really, you know, I wasn't. For instance, there's a virus called SB40, simian virus 40. And in graduate school, we studied this as sort of a prototypical virus that contributes or could cause, you know, we usually say contributes, not cause, but uh, cancer. And so we studied this in a fair amount of depth, but I was never, ever told that it was actually isolated from the polio vaccine. And that is, yeah, mm-hmm. So we were told that vaccines, sorry, I'm not supposed to say that word right. Uh, we were told that we were saved from, um, from polio by this new scientific breakthrough, uh, but we weren't told that there were actually a lot of unintended consequences of that campaign. And that um, it actually, in many ways, looked very similar to some of the things that are going on here. For instance, uh, before the the new jab came out, uh, basically everyone, uh, if you had paralysis for 24 hours of any limb, you were considered to have polio. After it came out, you had to have paralysis for 60 days or more to be diagnosed with polio. So do you think that the rates went down? There is new evidence that there's a possibility that deep, um, that different uh, heavy metal and arsenic-containing pesticides really played a role as a predisposing factor. Because there were also other viruses that caused paralysis, echovirus and Coxsackie virus, and uh, we were we, there was never any jab for those. And so those, like, what's going on with that? And so the science is more complex, the history is more complex, and there's been a cover-up, and now. Um, there's six to ten different types of cancer where they routinely um, sequence this SD40 virus from. And so a special mesothelioma is one, and you can go right into PubMed and find those. They're now trying to walk it back, but for a while it wasn't even, wasn't even in contention. And they go to Europe where they, and so, so here's where it gets, it gets really messy. I was like, well, wait a minute, how did this monkey virus get into our, our, our medical treatment, right? And the answer is that um, all viruses are grown on cells. And for a long time, they were grown on animal cells. And they were grown on, a lot of them, an animal cell called monkey kidney cell. And those do not have antiviral defenses. So they're like a Disneyland of viruses. And so when you grow a virus, uh, you know, for the inoculation on that, and you purify it, viruses are very small, you get some that ride along with it. And then when you give those to people, that virus now is transferred to the humans. That's one of the reasons, actually, I think these new, this new platform, the mRNA, is actually not grown on cells. So that's one of the reasons I think they're trying to move to a cell-free platform. But my question as a scientist has always been, are you just, you know, trading one set of problems for another? Let's slow down, right? And, and they've been working on these mRNA vaccines uh, for quite some time, but um, you know none of them had been brought to market, and this one certainly came to market very quickly. And even if that platform were acceptable to me, this viral spike protein is very, very problematic, and you're basically telling all yourselves to make it. So anyway, but we got off of the, the whole polio issue, 
um, that most people have never heard that story. Hmm. Well, you know, Dr. Parks, what one of the things that <clears throat> that stood out to me um, in your in your testimony was that you actually. I, I remember I, I said to my wife, her name's Alicia, and I said, I said, this is probably the best testimony I've seen on on all this. Because I didn't feel like there, it was politicized, you know, it wasn't like, oh, don't do it or you got to do it. It was like, here's some science. And, and one thing you said that really got me was you actually seem to make the argument that if I'm vaccinated against one strain, uh, that if another variant comes out of the virus, that I'm going to be more vulnerable yes. to that, that new variant. That blew my mind because that's almost completely different from what the media has been saying. They they sort of have placed this idea out, it seems, that the people going to the hospital are the ones who didn't get the jab and that the people with the jab, yeah, they, they caught it. And, and oh, and by the way, they are passing it, but they're they're OK. They're going to be fine. Uh, can you kind of lay out your truth on that based on, you know, what you know? You know, I I, I don't listen to the media very often because when I do, it's it's really, really disturbing. <laughs> so I'm just like, I, I can't listen to that because, um, you know, some of that is just a lie. And so I understand how people who aren't versed in the science can promote that. But in fact, uh, Rochelle Walensky was just on saying that um, the Delta variant, uh, that basically the vaccine had no ability to prevent people from transmission with the Delta variant. She said that, Fauci said that. I have recordings of them saying that. But apparently the mainstream media isn't echoing that message. I can send you those videotapes because they said that. Then there was, um, I gave the example of Barnstable, Massachusetts, where 74% of the people who became ill had gotten the inoculation and four out of five that were hospitalized. So that's not what the data are telling us. And it's not what the science is telling us. Now, there's always some variation in science where one study might show one thing and another might show something else because their methods are slightly different or I mean, there are many, many variables that can could make that happen, but that's not what the data are showing us at all. And in fact, um, this whole phenomenon was a concern of me, of many scientists, including myself. We were hoping it wouldn't happen, uh, but it looks like to some degree it is happening. It, until we have enough data in retrospect, we won't know what the whole story is because it's very, very complex. But we've seen this with the flu vaccine, which people have not been told that... Um, if you uh, get it every year, you are more likely to get either the flu or any other non-flu respiratory infection. It mistrains your immune system in complex and different ways that we don't totally understand, but we do understand some of it, so I can oversimplify it. But in reality, we don't even, our immune system is so, so complex, and I believe it was designed by our creator. And so, um, it's a huge act of hubris to think that we can monkey with it and uh, and do make it do what we want it to do all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's not to say that we shouldn't sometimes take life-saving medical treatments. I'm, you know, many people ask me about the monoclonal antibodies. I think that those are, a, you know, an effective and useful treatment. I understand those and I don't see the risk. Do I think that there are some negatives with it? Yes, but when you're talking about someone that may have a life-threatening disease, the benefit and the cost to me, you know, the benefit outweighs the cost. So I'm, you know, not unilaterally against everything. It's just a matter of um, really, I, I just feel like people are running forward and saying, 
uh, this is a magic pill, this is a magic pill, mm -hmm. and it's not. It's very complex science with some very um, unfortunate and possible unintended consequences. And, and the thing is, the vaccinologists and the scientists either knew or should have known about these. And for whatever reason, all of that, and this is why they're censoring doctors. So here's a question I want to ask you. So if we're in the middle of this pandemic, where are all the conferences of scientists and doctors, even if they're online, even if they're on Zoom or whatever, however you want to do it? Why hasn't there been one every two weeks? Wouldn't you think one on therapeutics, one on vaccine design, one on this? Uh, you know, where has that been? One on OSHA standards, you know, engineering control. Nothing. This has been a top-down control by one person. And I don't know why it is. I was just alarmed because nothing, that, none of the policy was following the science. Um, I knew that we had the science to overcome this last summer, and I thought by the middle of the summer it would be struck down. I did my research on hydroxychloroquine, very intimately connected with my field, so I understood what they were saying. I said mm -hmm. the science of this medication is stellar. It's been, um, you know, parachuted out for the third world where it was, you know, just given away like candy. Um, and it, there are there are a few things that you need to be aware of. Um, one is G6 phosphate dehydrogenase mutations in, in Africans and African Americans. But we know a lot about that. So this was an amazing medication with the, some of the most stellar basic science I've ever seen. The top infectious disease expert in the world came out and said, I show that it obliterates viral replication in six days and that basically it turns this around on all my patients. Now, obviously, more studies need to be done, but this is an FDA-approved drug that is safe, and it's been used for decades, for 70 years. And yet, because I'm like, you know, they're like, well, we need to take this inoculation because this is so deadly, but we can't take an FDA-approved medication? That makes no sense. And so there's a lot more going on here. I don't really want to discuss the politics, but what you need to know is that you're not being told the truth or you're not being told the whole story. Why that is, I can only speculate. Mm. Um, um, well, well, let, me, let, let me tell you, let me jump in real quick, uh, Dr. Parks. Uh, everybody who's watching, I'm speaking with uh, the one and only Dr. Christina Parks. And Dr. Parks uh, gave some stellar testimony that a lot of you saw online. I'm going to put her name up here. And uh, also, if you could, uh, everybody should come in, hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button, uh, share this video, because you all know, it, it, I, don't know how, it, I don't know how long it's going to be up, but I don't care. Um, I want you all to have facts and truth and make your own decision. And uh, hit, the, hit that like and share button. It's really important because we have to support our people that are out to represent our interests. And story here really makes me upset young black female walking her dog harassed by the police in Chicago. Here's the video.